and welcome to Smart Businesses Do This. Today's episode, I am joined by Chris Gardner, who is not only a good friend of mine, but he is somebody who today in this podcast, I promise you this will be one of the most important podcasts we ever listened to, because he is going to explain to you how the banks are using your money. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I know what they do with my money. They take my money and they invest it in stocks and trading and they trade my money and you are wrong. That is not what they do. That is what they want you to believe that they do, but it is not what they do. They do something else. And uh, Chris specializes in helping people set up their own personal family financing. If I said yeah. that correctly, personal family financing, where essentially you become your own bank. Now, I want you to think about what that means. I'm going to make the promise first and we're going to deliver on it afterwards. When you go to a bank and you put money in the bank, the bank is going to use your money to make a lot more money. Why are you letting them do that? Why don't you make money on your own money? Every time you make a transaction or borrow money, you pay interest to, to the bank. What if you could borrow money from yourself? It sounds crazy, but it is true. You can actually borrow money from yourself and that means the interest you pay back goes back to yourself and that money can make more money. It sounds completely fascinating. It is fascinating. And it is why we have an expert with us, Chris Gardner. Thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Could you please do me the honor of explaining to everyone here and everyone who's listening live or watching live, what do the banks do with people's money? Yeah. Great question. So, uh, you know, the one of the things that the banks are doing that people don't understand to his point one they are using your money right so you know it's something called fractional banking if you're not aware of that most people understand that uh, matter of fact we're seeing some of these crazy things from fractional banking just in the last few weeks from some banks crashing and stuff like that but what happens is for every dollar you deposit i deposit into a bank you know they're loaning out 9x nine dollars of that right so it's called fractional banking, meaning wouldn't that be cool if you actually could do that yourself, right? You could invest in something and multiply it out 10x or more, quite honestly. So I, just to really, because I want to make sure everyone understands, what that means is if a bank has $10 in the bank, they loan out 90. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they only have 10. That's right. But they're loaning out 90. That's right. That's like how my eight-year-old plays Monopoly. Could you, um, could you explain how that's even possible? Yeah. So they use margin, right? So they, they only have to keep 10% in there uh, into to reserves, if you will, right? So they also call it first tier um, line. And so one of the things they do is become your own bank. One of the things that I teach is we're really just teaching you what the banks are doing, but on a personal private level. So they invest billions of dollars into insurance products like whole life insurance into the executives. Have you ever noticed that when you go into a bank, everyone's like a VP or something like that. I mean, like they all got titles. Has anyone ever wondered why there's so many titles? It's because it allows them to purchase insurance on the each and every employee, okay? And allows them to dump in lots of cash and 
allows them to, you know, one, they're going to get a death benefit upon the employee, but more importantly, they're able to capitalize by putting extra cash in there. So I, I'm going to, because that was fast, and I know you know it, and I know it, but I want to yeah. make sure everyone here gets yeah. it. Because we just went from, wait, they loan out 10x the money they have, and all their employees uh, have titles because of life insurance. <laughs> so, and I, and I, yeah. <laughs> And I'm glad you're here because you're an expert, but I, I want to really dumb it down for a minute. So first of yeah. all, when a bank gives you money, they're not giving you cash. They're never giving you cash. Right. What they're giving you is digital numbers. Yep. And just like in a calculator, you know, so you come up to me and say, how much money do you have? One minute, let me just type in a calculator and I show you. That's not actually how much money I have. It's just a random number I typed into a calculator. Yep. But it, it doesn't have to be backed. I don't, because it's just a stupid calculator. Yep. Believe it or not, the banking system works the same way. They can just pretend and they're allowed to pretend, as yep. far as the government's concerned, that they have 10x the amount they actually have. Yep. Meaning, imagine if you had $1,000 in the bank, but you could act like you had 10,000. Yep. That's how the, the banking system is. You, you are allowed to lend out nine times what you actually have. So the minute a bank receives 100 grand, it has a million. Yep. The minute it receives a million, it has 10 million providing that money is lent to people Correct. and that it's going to get back. And so the question is, with the money that they have, what do they do? They need to do something really secure with it. And the thing that they do that is really secure is they buy life insurance policies. Yeah. And I want you to think about this because you were warned about this. Someone told you, somebody very important told you that this was happening and you didn't listen. And they told it to you before you were born. If you're American, you have no excuse not to know this because the person that told you was Benjamin Franklin. And Benjamin Franklin said, there are only two things that are guaranteed in life, death and taxes. And what he was trying to say is that you should be buying life insurance policies. And I'm not kidding because when someone dies, which is guaranteed they're gonna die, that life insurance policy, a whole life insurance policy, is paid out. And that means, unlike a regular loan, where there is no guarantee of a payout if the person can't pay it back or dies, yeah. the life insurance policy is gonna get paid out if you die. It's, it's a guaranteed trigger, yeah. it's a guaranteed event. And because of that component, it means that putting money in life insurance policies is a way to ensure that that life insurance policy grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually that payout will be more yeah. than what you've put in, which is insane. Yeah. And so you're saying that banks, the employees of banks are all given important titles. So basically what I'm saying is the bank, you're gonna put money into the life insurance policy and eventually when the person passes away, that money is gonna get paid back. And when it gets paid back, it's gonna be more than was put into it. And because of that, it is one of the best ways to put money and store it, and the banks know this. Yeah. But the limit is how many life insurance policies you can take out. So one way of, of taking out a lot of life insurance policies, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, Chris, because this is your subject. You need you, bodies. You need people. Yeah. You need an amount of people. And so what banks will do is they will give titles to every employee in the bank and make them sound really important. And they will basically go on record as saying, if yep. this employee- They're executives. Yeah, they're executives. Because if this employee passes away, the executive of my company, exactly. my company's gonna have a financial negative impact. Yep. And so I need to receive money. So I'm gonna take a life insurance policy out on them. Yep. And if they pass away, that employee, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get money. 
bank. That's correct. This, how is it possible that a, life in, a whole life insurance policy can pay out more than is put into it? How is that even possible? Because I know that's what someone's going to ask. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, the insurance companies are smart. They're just like banks, right? And people don't think of it like that, but they really house a lot of, a lot of capital, a lot of cash. And they have actuaries. And so they also know that when they insure you, that you're not planning, they're not, you're not going to be dying anytime soon as far as naturally, right? Maybe you are in an auto accident, et cetera, but it's all the law of large numbers. They do, you know, millions and millions of people and they know exactly when you're going to die as far as technically based on your health, et cetera. So if you decide to get a policy, they know that you're going to, you know, go to the average ages and stuff like that. So, so they look at the law of large numbers. Then they know that you're going to put in all this extra capital. Therefore, they're getting all this cash and therefore they can do these different investments. It's all safe investments. It's all that sort of thing. To the point of the tier one income, which is the banks, what they're looking at, legally, they can put up to 35% of their capital, I think it's 35, 32%, 35% um, of their capital into life insurance. Okay, and it's not just specific, it's, it's special type of life insurance and how they create it. What's happening is they're dumping large, I mean, like literally billions of dollars in a year, whether it's Wells Fargo, this is all... Uh, not private information, you can find this out. And uh, that you know that up to 35% of their tier one, tier one income, which means that there's a run on the bank, they've got this cash that they can pull from, okay? So that's why they, they are allowed to do that. And so it's just a different way of doing things. And so if you really understand the banks and how they make money, it's not about, you know, they're taking in a dollar and loaning out nine, that's true. So they're making margins upon margins, they're leveraging your money, not their money, right? So there's no, there's no, um, you know, there's there's no harm, I guess, in what they're doing, I guess, if that makes sense. Well, and they're also, and this is something we're thinking about, it's not just the money you put in the bank. There are transaction fees. Yeah. They're making money on every transaction fee as well, which is like a hidden tax. Yeah. You you make a payment, they're, make, they're receiving money from it. Right. And that's, an, that, that's how that works. Every single time you do that, they're taking that fee, um, which is huge. And so they've got other ways of making yeah. extra cash. And they're allowed to put that percentage, whatever it is, into life insurance, yeah. um, which enables them to, to pick every employee in their company and everyone they can justify as someone they can take a life insurance policy out on. And over time, as that, as that policy matures, this is the, the interesting part, please correct me again, I'm, I'm going off things I've learned from reading myself and also from Chris, um, you can borrow against the life insurance yeah. policy. So now, the person you're borrowing money from, they know that they've got the security from your death that is going to pay them out or you're going to pay it back. Yeah. But now when you borrow against your life insurance policy, instead of borrowing against the bank, the interest is paying towards your life insurance policy. Yeah. So a, a prime example of why it's so important, people are like, well, why would you get the insurance? It's never really been taught this way. I mean, years ago, 15 years ago, um, I was involved in you know, a financial planner, et cetera. And someone brought this idea to me and I didn't, you know, I'm like, I never heard of that before. Why am I not heard of it? There's reasons why. Uh, but, but more importantly, as I started to divulge, understand and study and get involved, I'm like, this is a game changer because now I can control my money, right? The banks have been doing that. And so, and you know this, and you, you have a, there's, there's a guy in the audience here who owns banks. The thing is, is when you go to the bank, I can go in if I wanted ten, fifteen thousand dollars and say, listen, I've got to call ahead to even get that because he, to his point, it's digital. They're not just keeping a lot of cash around. So they're, why is that? They're keeping money in motion. Money and motion is the key to making wealth. And so as far as business owners, you can also Google it. Uh, Boley is bank-owned life insurance. So you can, what I was saying before, you can see the numbers, but also Coley, which is corporate-owned life insurance. Tesla's a prime example. Apple, they all do it. Walmart 
many, many years ago, they would put it on every single one of their, uh, of their employees. And then the IRS came in and had to do some changing and stuff like that. But they understand the value of why it's so important to do this. To this point, how if you could have put your money into a system, right? That you have total 100% control and access that you get a guaranteed return rate, let's say 4%, right? Three and a half, 4% of the lifetime. Um, and then you're looking at, um, you're also dividends that are not guaranteed. However, these companies have been paying out dividends for over a hundred plus years. So you've got your dividend, you have your uh, return, your guaranteed interest, but also think of it like this, that money is compounding, compound interest. We've all heard this before. Uh, Einstein talks about it being the eighth world of the wonder of the world, but compound interest. What if I've got $100,000 sitting in there that I have access to with, by the way, no restrictions, right? Um, they know I'm good for it. So if I want to borrow against my capital, I'm still getting the guaranteed 4%. I'm still earning the dividends and my money is compounding. It never gets interrupted, uninterrupted compounding for the next 40, 50 years, as long as I'm alive. And I can literally borrow against the entire amount and still earn 100% as of my money sitting there. Cause it is, I'm just borrowing from the actual insurance company general fund. So to put that in perspective, just to give you an idea, I have $10. I put my $10 into an insurance account and that $10 is going to get me 4% and potential dividends and everything that it's going to do as it grows and matures. Correct. But then I want $8. I could borrow 10, you'll say, yep. but, but I want $8 because I want to buy a, a, a piece of candy that I really, really want that's going to cost eight bucks. I don't know if that's the price can nowadays, but that's what it is. And so I say, rather than taking $8 out of the 10, yeah. I go to the institution that's allowed to give 9x more than what they've got and say, hey, I want eight against my 10. And so now I've got 18. I get the candy that I want. So I've now got this cool candy, but I'm going to sell that somewhere else because I'm going to use You're that to make more it. money. I'm going to leverage it. Yep. So I'm going to sell the candy because I bought it for eight. I'm going to sell it for 10 because I want to make money back. And so I'm going to get the 10 back, which means we put the eight back. But also any interest I pay on that eight, if it took me a while to pay it, is going into my fund, mm -hmm. increasing the amount of money in my fund. Correct. Do you guys get this? This is crazy. And I know it's a really silly analogy with candy, but yeah. if I then sell that candy bar for 10, I now put the eight back and then put the extra two back and now I'm at 12 that's securing. And if I had to put interest in there, I might be at 12 and a half. Because right. all the money stayed with me, it was mine. It never went to anyone else. Nobody else took that fee. It came back to me the whole time. And yeah, I still had to pay the money back, but I paid the money back to me and gained all that difference. No difference if you had borrowed that money from the bank, you still gotta pay the bank back, right. right? The difference is now you're getting the interest, you're earning the interest on all of it, plus you're getting the interest that you're paying yourself, therefore becoming the own bank. Yeah, this bank. is insane. And I believe it's something that everybody needs to know. I truly believe Benjamin Franklin knew it, and I think that's what he was trying to say. It is what the Rockefellers do. Correct. If whenever it was like, what would the Rockefellers do? This is what the Rockefellers did and do. And still do. And still do. So the question is, how does somebody begin to do this? How much money do I need to be spending on life insurance to do this? Like minimum. Let's just say, yeah. let's say I'm a Walmart employee and I like, I like the idea of this. Yeah. How do I do this? So there definitely are minimums, right? The insurance company puts in place, but it's, it could be a few hundred bucks. It's, it's probably as little as two or 300 bucks. So what kind of whole life insurance policy would I need? Yeah, so it's properly structured whole life. One, the things you're looking for, it's not just any company. It can't be a, a stock company. It needs to be a mutual company first off, right? So when a mutual company means that you have ownership. So as you put money into the system, you become an owner, right? Number one. 
So therefore, you get to reap the rewards, dividends, et cetera. Um, number two, uh, it needs to be, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely some, without going down that road, too many things, but there's certain types of insurance companies that you have to work with for this to make sense. So not every insurance, not your, you know, your state farm agent on the street or whatever like that. That's not the type of policy you want. The key sorry is state farm. Yeah. Sorry, state farm. Love state farm. Right. But the point is it comes down to making sure you have the right product, the right people you're working with. That's the key also is, is who you're working with. Yeah. Right. Because there's so many folks out there that represent and say they can do this for you, but then they're representing a different product. Right. We're talking about a whole life product. Yep. Anything else outside a whole life product, and I'll be happy to battle that any day and time. But the insurance guys out there are just trying to sell that to make more money. Yep. This product here, you actually have to reduce commissions, et cetera, for it to make sense. And that's what we do. So it, you know, it takes the right insurance company, which we help you with those things. And then from there, it's about, it's about teaching and creating a budget. Not a really, she talked about budget earlier, but yeah, you're putting a system in place, right? Therefore, when you want to borrow against it, we're really using all the rules that you would use from borrowing from the insurance, I'm sorry, from the banks, right? So we're going to create amortization schedules and things of that na- nature. Yeah. So it's so about it's paying still, yourself back. It's a real loan. You're actually going to have to pay yourself back, but you're, when you borrow it, the money's still staying there. Right. So you're still gaining on it, which is super important. But a, but a key point to this too, and we'll go deeper later, but like this is not a quick conversation, but what if you had this capital here sitting, right? And you can borrow against because everybody knows insurance, you have a death benefit, right? But we're truly teaching this as life insurance. Use it while you're alive. It's not about just for multiple generations later or taking care of everybody else. But by what we're teaching here is that you can become the own bank. Therefore, you can live now. You can use it for your businesses. I, this is what I do with a lot of my companies or a lot of my clients as well. You can borrow against that capital for an example. So put the capital in to the investment or to the insurance products. And then you borrow against it, whether you do a line of credit to your business, therefore you're loaning it to yourself, you're gonna create an expense to your business, lower your taxes that way. And then now you can just kind of create a circle. So if you understand banking and understand borrowing, there's three steps, right? There's a, there's a saver, there's a bank, and there's a borrower, right? And so what I'm teaching you and what we teach is that you can become all three. Yep. So therefore you are the saver already because you're already doing it, right? You go to the bank, you've saved your money up, hey, Let's open up a checking account. Why do you think they give you free checking accounts? They want you to put their money in there because now they know that we've got 10X on our money. We can go make more money, Yep. right? They're just leveraging your money. So what we're going to do is leverage the insurance company's money by creating our own banking system. So therefore, we can loan it out to others. And also, it, let's just say we take a million dollars out and we don't pay back this over the lifetime of our, 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 our lives. And let's say you have a $5 million death benefit, right? Which is what you have. This is just a prepayment on your insurance. So if you take out a million dollars to go buy and do an investments, right? You're making, you're leveraging your capital. Now, when you pass away, that 5 million, will subtract the loans that you have outstanding that you borrowed against. Now you have $4 million. So a million dollars is a race. So you don't have to pay that back technically, right? You're just using your capital early to make investments throughout your lifetime. And that you know that you're going to make, you'll have millions of dollars after the fact, even after you pay all your loans back. So, the, and the thing that's hardest about this is finding enough bodies to do life insurance on. Yeah. And this is the moment where everyone here realizes why I have five children. Because um, if I lost one of my children, it'd be devastating. Right. Um, no, but genuinely, like, that's one of yeah. the hardest parts. And uh, by the way, everyone in my company is an executive. Um, and I just, you're all important to me. No, I'm joking, but this is what companies are doing. I, I'm right. not doing that, but it is worth noting that's what they're doing. 
And uh, what, what I didn't know is you're saying you can start for as little as a few hundred bucks a month. You can, you can. So what, what I think is good about this, I, I'd love to get your, your feedback on it. If the banks are being told that they're allowed up to 35% of their money in life insurance policy, first of all, can you imagine something being so good that the government's like, yeah, you're only allowed to use 35% on this yeah. because it's that good. You don't restrict things that are like, um, that are not really, 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 really good. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, because otherwise you say you can't do it at all. When you're like, you can do this, but only this amount, it means it's really, really good. And they don't want it to be a hundred percent of what they do because you're yeah. going to utilize that cap. Um, we had uh, an earlier on speaker talking about taking 20% of your revenue and putting it um, into uh, a fund that's going to be your, your retire early money. Um, which, and great concept, by the way, which Absolutely. I love. Yeah, I love that concept. This is just putting it on steroids because I was in your, I was, I was doing those years ago. Yep. Same thing, right? I was living below my means, still do all those things as much as you can. But I created, uh, put it into the vehicle now that's going to earn interest and dividends and compound forever. Oh, by the way, tax deferred. Tax deferred. Yeah, yeah. I like so, that. So, and as we, as we take this money out, we're never going to be taxed on the way we do it. Correct. Yeah. And, and I think that's worth knowing because you don't pay tax on borrowed money. That's you right. You pay tax on, on the money that yep. you earn. So the key is to keep that money in debt, but that debt's to yourself. Um, yes. which I, and there was a, a nice subtle point that you put there, of course, because that you can have that against your taxes because you borrowed money. Um, so it's something worth noting. Um, also, and this is a key component, I would throw in, if we combine the two podcasts, um, what if you took 20% mm -hmm. and took 35% of that 20%? which is what the banks allocate, and that's the amount you put into this system, yeah. allowing you to have 65% to do everything else that you're going to do with, but the 35% because you're now following the model the bank's following. Correct, because it's really everyday stuff. You start taking over the debts, like, you know, the whole thing about paying off debt and stuff. No, not all, bets, all, not all debt is bad, as we know, um, but what we can do is now we can compound our money. We can utilize the system, right? Therefore, we're, we're keeping more to it, but we're putting into a system that's always going to grow. It's going to grow tax-free, compound forever, and we still have access to it. Yep. It's not locked up. There's no rules and regs that says, hey, you can't go buy a, a, a fleet of Lamborghinis or you can't go buy an investment property. Or unlike a 401k, I'm going to hammer a 401k and stuff like that. But by the way, it, if the government's listening, they know this. Anything they create, you think it's good for you? No. So <laughs> that's the truth. And, and even the guy who created a 401k, by the way, has a book out, says why he believes what we're doing with life insurance is the way to do it, not 401k. Yeah. It's, the, it's the 501k, I believe, is the book. Nice. So it's clearly worth reading. Um, there are a lot of books about this subject if yeah. you want to, to dive deeper. Um, I've, I've spent a lot of time learning this and speaking to different people about it. Um, it's something that we're exploring personally, so I just want to make sure that, that everyone knows. Uh, this is the gentleman that I found... Um, the easiest to talk to about the subject um, and who, who's closest to me. So this is the one that, that I am bringing on board to talk to you guys about it. If this is a new concept, I would absolutely recommend reading some books on the subject first and taking this gentleman's contact information so that if you did want to do it, you could do it yourself. But as, uh, as Chris will explain, many people attempt to do it and do it wrong yeah. and then end up not being able to use the cash or not being able to uh, be smart about their taxes with it. So, I, And I would add to that, that's the key because what I've learned over the years, been doing this a long time. Uh, and so I've had to fix a lot of problems or, or mistakes because folks that thought they were getting involved in a private family banking or infinite banking concept type of policy. 
and they, they had the wrong people working with them and they sold them a product that doesn't work the same. And so we've had to fix that off and on. So that's the key. And also R. Nelson Nash, late R. Nelson Nash, he, he wrote a book called Become Your Own Banker. To me, I think that's the foundation of yeah. the book to read. Yeah, but Become Your Own Banker is my favorite one. That's yeah. the one I read. So that's the one I'm going to recommend easy. you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's really simple. Here's, here's something I would say, and I, I want to run this by, what would you say to work with you is the minimum amount of money someone needs to commit to every month, including your fees and everything to get this going? Yeah, so I don't really personally charge any fees. Uh, you know, the insurance company uh, handles that part of it, which means you're not going to pay me any, any cost. But yeah, I look at every situation, everyone's personal situation differently, right? It comes down to where are they putting their money and stuff like that. So um, honestly, there are definitely some minimums to get my time, but yeah. I've got a team. Um, but I really, you know, don't want to put exact number on that because I think everyone's got a different situation. Because at the end of the day, Makes sense. I want to help. Yeah. So let's just say somebody, uh, let's just say that because I'm going to combine everything. Let's say they're yeah. doing 10 grand a month. Yeah. That's what they're making. And they take 2K a month. Mm -hmm. And they're going to put it to one side and they're going to use the uh, the fire system that we heard yep. about in the earlier podcast. Yep. Um, that 2K, instead of putting it in a bank, right. what if they use that on a whole life insurance policy with you? Yeah, that's what I discovered many years ago because I was using a system like that. And this is still her system, but it just puts it on, you know, to her point, gasoline on the fire. Yeah, because now, so let's think this through. So they're putting 2K aside every month, which is going into it. Um, and then at the point when they want to take 20% of that yeah. and they want to use it, they could actually just borrow 20% against it. It would still be in there. They wouldn't be removing yeah, it from it. 100%. Now you're leveraging you know, whatever you're purchasing, whether it's real estate or whatever. So your money's still making money in the policy. But now you've leveraged it to your point. You bought and sold candy or whatever it is because you made money. In this case, we went and bought a, a business or whatever. Now I'm leveraging my money, making it here. So I'm making it in multiple places at the same time. That's what banks do. That's what we're teaching. But you're going to have to pay that interest back yeah, to yourself. To you, yeah. which increases the size of the Correct. insurance policy. Do you, guys, do you guys understand that? He doesn't take money and then yeah. he, buy, he gets paid yeah. commission. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. So, I, I, you guys, I mean, just imagine that. In case you aren't standing until you're through again, you have 10 grand in the bank that you've saved at 2K a month for five months. Mm -hmm. But it's not in the bank, it's in a whole life insurance policy. And then you want 3K to go and do a business thing that you're gonna make back 5K. You don't take 3K out, you borrow 3K from yourself. Use this collateral. There's still 10K there. You've yep. now borrowed 3K to go and do the other thing. You still have 10K in savings in the whole life insurance policy. Um, if you don't pay back the 3K straight away, let's just say it takes six months and you end up having to pay back 4K. Yep. You're gonna have to pay back 4K, that's because you borrowed it, but you've now gone from 10 to 11 because you paid one extra, and we're using generic numbers, obviously yeah, not exactly right. going to work like this, but you get the idea. And that 3K that I spent that made me five, I used four of it to pay back, but I got one left. So I was at 11, I'm now at 12. But you just paid back the money too there, therefore you've got that money again to use. And I can now have 12 available to use. You right. guys get this works? Yeah. It is getting bigger and bigger. What's the cap on a life insurance policy for a single person? Yeah, so the, the the cap comes down to your income, um, how much you make, because they look at a percentage of your income and stuff like that. So I work with mostly business owners. And so as we know, as business owners, we don't really show a lot of income, right? For the most part. I mean, you know, we got expenses, et cetera, right? Um, but my relationships with the companies, we're able to um, narrate what it takes to get, you know, the income we need or the, the type of policy we want. I mean, I got clients putting hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. So 
it depends on, so I've got them putting 500 bucks a month and I've got them putting hundreds of thousands. What, so, what is the percentage roughly? Uh, I, I know you can't you state mean, it exactly. percentage of how much you do. I, yeah. An average, my, my average client's doing about 10K a month, probably. Okay, about 10K a month. So, um, but let's just say I'm making 10K a month. How much am I allowed to put aside for a life insurance policy? You know, uh, realistically, they're going to look at 25 to 30%. Okay, cool. So twenty. So if I make not 10K counting a month, assets, if you have assets, that's a whole other. Get it? Yeah. Right? But if I'm making ten k a month, I can put two and a half k aside. So yeah. I could put two k aside, no problem. I could do the twenty. One hundred percent. Yep. So that would absolutely work. Yeah. And um, just just for people in the room, because obviously this is a live audience. If you like this, give me a round of applause and let me know if this is amazing. Yeah. Because um, there's like a deathly silence in the room, and I just want to make sure that everyone yeah. listening to the podcast knows. There are people furiously writing notes. notes. My my wife has tried throwing her credit card at Chris a couple of times. Now, here's the funny part of the story. Is I learned about infinite banking two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but me and my wife, uh, we do our, our finances together. And uh, she's the one that's typically in charge of that kind of stuff. So the reason you're here on the show is actually because I really want her to do it. And so it, it took me a while. Right. Uh, the, yeah, I've spoken to a number of experts. I've drawn it out a few times. But I, I, I'm not kidding, guys. I not only thoroughly believe in this, I've done a lot of research. And again, full disclaimer, we haven't done it yet. So, you know, if it's all terrible and this is a complete scam, which I really don't think it is because yeah. I've spent two years researching it at this point. But I, so I'm telling you, do research. Yep. Read the book, How to Be Your Own Banker. Um, do that, read that book. Don't, don't just jump in, but read it. Go online and look at whole life insurance policies and Rockefeller, like Google that phrase. Like, you know, ask AI if you want to. You are going to find, a, I, I assume as I have, that for two years of looking into this, this is what they're doing. This is clearly what they're doing. And it doesn't stop you having access to your money. You need to borrow money, you borrow it against yourself. You owe the money to yourself. Your interest you pay back is to yourself. Yeah. And the whole time that's happening, that policy is still growing and increasing. And the life insurance company is safe and secure because they know that when you pass away, or the people you borrow money from, it's all going to get paid back. 100%. I mean, think of that real quick. I mean, these companies have been in place for 100 plus years, right? They have been paying dividends the whole time. We've had multiple world wars. We've had multiple uh, you know, uh, stock uh, crashes, et yep. cetera. And I'm still making money. So that's the great part about it. People talk about drawbacks. So, but... Uh, that it, it, this is absolutely incredible. And what I love about it is it's something you can do even if you're only making like five grand a month. Correct. Making five grand a month, you put, if you only feel comfortable putting 10% aside, you just put 500 aside. And rather than putting it into a bank, and, and I, do want to make, I do want to make an argument for why I don't trust banks. I do love you, Eugene. Uh, the reason I don't like this is a, a owner of some banks in the room. So, yeah. But here's why I don't, don't like my money in a bank. It'll be really, really simple. I do this really cool talk. Uh, I, get, I get hired by companies coming to a talk for their employees about money and the value of it. I want you to imagine a world where we live with 10% inflation. You don't have to imagine it because right now, as of 2023, we're probably in it. Um, there's an official amount of inflation, which I think last was recorded was 8.2% or something like that. So 8.2% is close enough to 10. But when you look at the fact that um, a lot of the items in the grocery store, you now get less for the same amount of money. You just have to look at how they've been repackaged. Um, I saw today that the local chicken breasts, they're now selling, selling thin sliced breasts. It's half the thickness of a regular chicken breast. It's touted as a, as a diet saving food, but it's only a dollar less. Yeah. But it's a dollar less for half as much chicken. Like, it doesn't do the math, right? It's, it's much more expensive. It's fractional. Yeah, it's fractional chicken, yeah. <laughs> and um, so this is another form of inflation that people don't talk about, which yeah. is companies that are offsetting the inflation, which still affects you. 
What is inflation? Inflation, as far as I'm concerned, can simply be defined as your money is now worth less because the goods are inflated in costs, like the chicken, for example, right? So I want you to imagine a world where your money, there is an inflation factor of 10%, meaning if you have 100 grand at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, you still have 100 grand, but its buying power is 10% less. So if you'd have spent that money in January, you could have bought $100,000 worth of things. If you spend it in December, you can only buy $90,000 worth of things. If we bought chicken breast, you get the idea, I would only have $90,000 worth. I would have less chicken breast at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year. Why does this matter? It matters because if I'm on a mission to earn 100 grand in a year, I'm gonna save 100 grand. I am gonna have to make not 100 grand, but I'm gonna have to make 110 to offset inflation if it takes me one year, but I'm also gonna pay taxes on that. And if my taxes are say $30,000 on a hundred grand, to have a hundred thousand, actual hundred thousand with a hundred thousand dollars worth of buying power at the end of the year, I needed to earn 140, meaning $40,000 was gone. Instead, in January, if I wanted to buy $100,000 worth of chickens, I don't know why I would do that, but if I wanted to, and I borrowed $100,000 from myself, but we'll do that in a second. If I borrowed $100,000, yeah. I now have $100,000 worth of chickens. Yeah. Now, there's going to be an argument, what about interest? What about inflation and taxes? Because you don't pay taxes on the money you borrowed. So I now just have $100,000. Now, unfortunately, I borrowed it. And that's an issue. There's only so much you can borrow. I'm limited. If I don't pay it back, that's going to be a problem. So you don't want to borrow this money to buy something that you don't need. Right. You don't want to borrow that money to buy a car or a vacation. You want to borrow that money to buy something that will make you money. But as long as you borrow that money to buy something that makes you money, you will be able to pay back that money and have the thing faster, better, without inflation. Yeah. Over time, things always get more expensive because inflation always happens. It's just, does it happen a lot or a little bit? It's always cheaper to buy today than in five years. Anyone's like, I'm gonna wait five years for buying that. Great, it will be a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed, the property will be more expensive. Yeah. You waiting on it is going to mean you're gonna end up spending a lot more for it. You might be mentally more comfortable, but it makes a lot more sense to buy it now. When was the best time to buy property? 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Today. When's a terrible time? Three years from now, right? C compared, to, oh, unless it's three years from now, in which case it's today and then do it then. So, but my point is with this, the money you borrow is from you. So you never lose the money, it still stays there. Everyone in this room, as far as I'm concerned, should look into this and consider setting up a life insurance policy. Now you can set one up on yourself, right? That's person one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yep. multiples. I have multiples. My wife has multiples. My kids have multiples, yeah. Yeah, and so you set it up on basically as many people as correct, you can. Yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah, can I set one up on my cat? Um, no. Okay, it's a shame. Because I love my cat. My cat didn't I exist. appreciate that. Yeah, she's... Yeah. So yeah, so this is mind-blowing and I think every single person in this room should consider it. Obviously, uh, we finish every episode with asking people um, first of all, how can people get in contact with you? And if they want to work with you, I mean, I think you probably got like 20 signups in the room, but yeah. uh, what do people do? So obviously social media is easy. Um, on Instagram, it's Chase, uh, Chase, that's my son. Chris Gardner, eight. And uh, my company's called Mindshift Financial. 
So mind share financial? Mind shift. Mind shift financial. Yeah, so you're shifting your mind. Mind shift financial. Yep. Mindshiftfinancial.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mindshiftfinancial.com. Um, and obviously for everyone here, um, you know, after this episode, we're going to have a break for lunch. So obviously yeah. feel free to chat to Chris directly. Yeah. Um, what should smart businesses do, Chris? Well, it, you know, smart businesses should invest in some insurance and leverage their money, right? And arbitrage your money, yeah. Perfect. So we're talking compounding interest and paying interest back to yourself and never actually losing the money when you do it. And 100% control. You control the whole process. This is phenomenal. Chris, you've been amazing. As always, don't forget that this episode was sponsored by workingvacation.com. If you want to spend a week networking with amazing people, kind of like the people that you see here on the podcast, if you want to learn things that the average business owner doesn't know, and if you want to get more done in six days than you would normally get done in six months, then you may want to check out the workingvacation.com website where you can learn more about what it would be like to come and hang out with us for an entire week. We go to Alaska in two weeks' time, and then in six months' time, we're going to the Bermuda Triangle, leaving on uh, Friday the 13th in October. (laughs) So there you are. It's going to be amazing. Thank you ever so much. Thanks once again for listening to Smart Businesses Do This. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.